Nagarao. How many questions does it usually take to spot? I don't get it, Tyrell. How many questions? 20, 30 cross-referenced. Fiery the angels fell. Deep thunder rolled around their shores, burning with the fires of Orc. memories are hers. Welcome to Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. I am your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-host, Patrick Green. Hey. Hey, it's been a while, Patrick. It's been a while. I didn't remember my own name for a second. I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it has, it has been a long time. In full disclosure, we recorded a Perfect Organism episode last night, and that was like how we got most of the cobwebs out. But mm-hmm. this is really this is the, this is the first shoulder of Orion that we're recording in in a long time. And to that end, you know what? I was going to save this for the end of the episode, but I think I'll do it now just to get people while they're just tuning in. Uh, we have a bunch of new patrons, and uh, is it cool with you if I read them off quick? Let's do it. Let's do it. So, uh, without further ado, you know, I think I'm going to go back even further, actually, because we got... So, starting back in mid-June, we had a nice uptick of new people joining, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and read their names out. So, starting with Natasha Blockoff, Nolan Eller, Jay Hansen Law, Abir Tarafdar, Yasarian, Amanda Fisher, Blood Hut, Steven Riquez, Richard Alonso, Vincent Harris, and Steve Paterson. Thank you to everybody who joined. That is like the best, you know, six-week run of new patrons I think we've had since we first started the show. Yes, yes. It's so great. Thank you guys so much for supporting us and uh, giving us your hard-earned money so that we can make better and more interesting content. Yeah, seriously. Including... Something that, you know, we haven't, I guess we haven't really announced this for PO yet, but we're working on a project for Perfect Organism at the moment, and uh, it involves some expenses. And just this very morning, we were like, you know what, we can use our Patreon to recoup some of the expenses from that. So yeah, this stuff yeah. really does, we do really use this money that comes in. We do. And the project we're working on now is the biggest thing that Perfect Organism has ever invested in, in terms of our own it's not a live event, but it's this just big project, and we're going to announce it at some point down the line. But it's a big deal, and it's going to involve all of us, essentially, in terms of the team of Perfect Organism. And it's only possible because of Patreon. Yeah. I mean, we're talking building miniatures. We're talking, like, real stuff this mm-hmm. time, which is pretty exciting. And also opening the door for, you know, we have an unfinished shoulder of orion project that has oh, been uh, on hold since yes. covid started yes. which i think we'll get, we're gonna get back around to but the patreon money that comes in is how we're able to do these things and uh and you know it just brings a huge smile to our faces so hopefully you're liking the content we have uh a couple things in the pipeline including a special roundtable on prey the new predator movie we're doing a, a special frame rate presentation on that 
Uh, we're looking at getting an interview for a Sublime Noise episode, which would be really cool. And uh, we just put out Misery, which is a great movie, and we've gotten some really good feedback on that. So yeah, there's a lot going on with Patreon, and, uh, and thank you all for your support. You're the best. Yes, indeed. And this episode we're recording right now is kind of a, a pre-launch or a launch of our 40th anniversary celebrations for the film Blade Runner, which of course was released 40 years ago in 1982. Patrick and I have been traveling all summer, as have other members of our team, and we just felt like it was good to come back and talk about what's in store, kind of debrief. I had a great time on my vacation. I don't know about you, Patrick. It seems like you had as well. We did, we had a fantastic time. Yeah, we, we celebrated our 10th anniversary, me and Micah, and we brought the kids along with us to Italy and spent two and a half weeks sun-drenched on the coast of Southern Italy. And it was just an absolutely wonderful time. Got to go see some historical family sites and got to go revisit things we did on our honeymoon 10 years ago. And uh, and it was just it was just a wonderful experience. How about you? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, mine, same. I It was overwhelming. Two weeks went like that, I'm telling you. Like, it was over before I knew it. And usually, the last time I took a two-week, wasn't a vacation. It was kind of a, a state. It was a work vacation, which I went home or I went back to the Midwest in June of last year. I was gone for two weeks. And when I came back, I was like, I'm not going to be gone for two weeks. It's too long. But this time in England, I just did so much. And I visited some some um, sites I've always wanted to see, like the original home that they used for the film Howard's End that was also released in 1992. Just so much. I saw so much and visited people and got drunk and had a great time and did pub crawls and had awesome food. And I, yeah, it's just... It was amazing. I'm really blessed to have the opportunity and the funds to travel like this. So, yeah, and we should be clear that was not, not Patreon. Patreon funded. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear. Uh, we do use Patreon money, but not for that. No, that was. Uh, yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like a lot of us this summer, and I know a lot of our listeners too, because you know we interact with you here and there sporadically, whether it's online or via email. We have a lot of people who write into us in email. I always love that. Um, a lot of people were traveling this summer. A lot of our interviews, actually, a lot of them started with, yeah, I'd love to come on, but you know, you got to give me two weeks to get back. I'm actually in Hawaii. It's the first time we've left the house in three years. A lot of people, I think, this summer really took advantage of this, uh, of just this stupid virus being in such a better place now than it had been. And we really got out and like made up for, for lost time. And I feel like so I feel like our, our 40th anniversary Blade Runner stuff was sort of on hold a little bit. First, because we were waiting for the official 40th anniversary release date of when it came out in theaters, which was June 25th. Um, but also because, you know, once that happened, we were already doing all of our traveling and stuff. And I feel like now we're back, we're home, we're setting up the rest of this amazing year that we have in front of us. And we're really firmly now in 40th anniversary territory. To that end, we have some, you know, episodes coming up that we're really looking forward to. One of them, which we've talked a little bit about, is having Mr. Charles de Lazarica back on. You want to give our listeners a little more of a window into that? Yeah. So those of you who listen to the show and Perfect Organism know that we are friends with Charles de Lazarica. He's been on our show before talking about his work as a restoration producer on Blade Runner the Final Cut. And for the 40th anniversary, it was actually his idea based off of us recording an episode with him discussing the restoration process for the assembly cut, he said, why don't I come on Shoal of Orion and we do a um, commentary track for the final cut? And we were like, awesome. So that's going to happen within the next couple of months. And it's going to be available for everyone, all of our listeners. And I'm really excited about it. Again, 
Charlie is just a wonderful guy. Uh, a new, he is a father to be, which is a great new experience that's about to happen in his life. And he's just been really a window for fandom. Like, certainly we are fans of these films, you know, the Alien series, Blade Runner, but we're part of that, in my opinion, is because of the work that he's done to open up that world to us via his documentaries, his incredible documentaries like Dangerous Days, which we've never really discussed Dangerous Days on this podcast before in terms of just the the scope of the documentary. I think Dangerous Days is like four hours. It's something crazy long. It's one of the best behind the scenes documentaries I've ever seen in my life, which was done for the final cut release. And he is responsible for that. So we will have all of his expertise and wisdom and knowledge when he's on the show and we're watching the final cut together. So look forward to that. Yeah. The closest thing to uh, Dangerous Days that I can think of in terms of Blade Runner is Future Noir, right? They're both just like incredibly deep dives into that film. One's a movie and one's a book, obviously. But the fact that both Charlie and Paul Salmon are not only friends of the show and friends of ours, but um, you know they were at our live event. They are in communication with us all the time. Uh, I was just watching the movies that made us on Netflix, and Paul Salmon popped up on the RoboCop episode, and I was like, "Oh, there he is! Oh, he's everywhere!" Awesome. You know. But they're both people who just you know they they really keep the fandom alive, and they've contributed so much to it. And we're really lucky to have have them you know here contributing as you know part of the show sometimes. As far as Charlie goes, I think something that I really appreciate about him is that. For as busy as he is, and he's an incredibly busy person, he like always has time to help answer a question about something. You know, at any time that I've posted things on our socials with like a question at the end being like, can somebody tell me like what convention this happened at? You know, because sometimes you find things on the internet mm-hmm. and you just truly don't know. You do a reverse image search and you can't figure it out. Is and that Charlie's Carrie Fisher like, on set for Blade Runner? <laughs> yeah, that is a no, by the way, but let, let people uh, know that. Um, but Charlie always like not only chimes in with with really good information, um, but and so does Rick Howard, too. He's great at this, but, you know, a lot of background on it. Yeah, the recording the assembly cut of Alien 3 commentary with him is was definitely a highlight of my podcasting year and many listeners, too, for a perfect organism episode. And uh, and if you go back now, I've actually done it and watched the documentary with his commentary. It's really, truly amazing. So what you're going to get with this episode is a feature film length commentary track where it will be 90% him talking, but we'll be kind of chiming in here and there also, mm-hmm. giving you an exclusive, a legitimately exclusive, like actually that's we really mean that an exclusive behind the scenes look at the way that it was assembled. And if you think you know everything about it, which you might know a shitload because of course, the final cut came out with dangerous days and with all the supplemental stuff and commentary tracks, and there's been books on it and we have future noir. You're going to find things out that you are surprised by in this commentary recording. And, um, and it's something that is part of like the legacy of Blade Runner fandom. And that's really, uh, really thrilling. It is thrilling. And there's already a bunch of questions I have for him, just technical questions about certain decisions they made for the restoration cut. And, you know, they had to film uh, in one moment they had to film or at one part they had to film Harrison Ford's son and they used the bottom of his jaw to match it to Harrison Ford for the scene where he's talking to the man in the wind in, in that place where that selling the snake. Remember that? I'm interested in the detail. 
in the details of how they do that, how painstaking that process is. Of course, we also know that our friend and someone who's been on the show before, Joanna Cassidy, who played Zora, also filmed scenes for the restoration cut or the final cut, as everyone knows it by, and what that process was like. Of course, we can see a lot of that. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes footage on that of her in a chair and kind of falling over, and then they have to match it with the existing stuff. Really, really detailed, laborious work that was done for this film and I can't wait to dive into that more To that end, you know, let us know via social media or, or via email at bladeburnerpodcast at gmail.com or go to our website, bladeburnerpodcast.com slash uh, contact, and you can do it there. But let us know some things that you want to know about that we can tee up for him as the commentary is rolling, because this should be something, I mean, consider it your personal commentary track, because that's really what it's going to be. Um, and another thing that I would love to get some feedback on from people, you know, when we did our uh, our live event, one of my favorite aspects of it was like the fandom archaeology work that went into it with Blade Zone and the zines and like getting to know people like Gary Willoughby. I, I wasn't able to be on that interview, unfortunately, but I, I loved listening to it. And I feel like uh, I want to do some of that again now as we reach this 40th anniversary. So if you are one of the OG people who was there when this came out and was a fan seeing it in theaters from the very beginning, uh, reach out to us and give us your reminiscences. And maybe we'll even ask you to come on the show or to record something. Um, we did this also in the lead up to 2049 coming out, which is now five years ago. Can you believe it? It is terrifying. Uh, but that was also similarly like a really emotionally wonderful experience because we got all these write-ins from people all over the world talking about what it meant to them to be seeing another Blade Runner film for the first time. So similar to that, you know, send us, you know, you can send us a voice message if you want at our email address, but we want to, to feature you there as part of the tapestry of fandom. You know, I, I wasn't, um, born, uh, yet for a few years after it came out and I, I didn't, wasn't introduced to it until the nineties. For 2049. So like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> for 20, I'm, I'm very young. <laughs> um, so I feel like, you know, I, I, I'm still kind of missing a little bit of that perspective. So, so please do like write into us. And if you know people who were involved early on, uh, with doing fanzines or doing, you know, organizing screenings of the movie, uh, let us know and put us in touch because one of my favorite things about what we do is this, like, we're sort of custodians of the Blade Runner audio museum at this point, you mm-hmm. know, cause we've done so many interviews and we've talked to so many people and uh, we want to like continue doing that to help to keep things, you know, archived properly. So, so reach out to us. Yes, yes, and I, I think that there's a lot to explore. Christian Matska, who is one of our co-hosts on Perfect Organism, one of the main co-hosts, we, him, and I were delighted to host a roundtable. Not really a roundtable, but a like a panel discussion with Rico Ross and Mark Ralston from Aliens. Another person who was on that panel was a gentleman named Pat McClung, who did miniature work for Aliens and Blade Runner. And he gave me his number, and hopefully we can have him on the show and just talk about his work on that, what is now, of course, you know, science fiction legacy and myth, Blade, the original Blade Runner film. So we'll have that in store. And there's, you know, there's a lot happening in terms of 
what Blade Runner is today as opposed to what it was 40 years ago. 40 years ago, it was just a movie. Now it's a franchise. Now there's a sequel. There's a anime series that's on actually on, on HBO Max right now. It's also on Crunchyroll. There is a live action sequel movie, sequel series to 2049 called 2099 shooting in Australia. And I don't know if they're shooting yet, but that's where they will be shooting. And that's going to come out. Who knows? Probably sometime next year, I would imagine. Uh, there's a lot to look forward to. It's a very interesting place that we find ourselves as fans of this film, don't you think? Oh, yeah. That's something else that I, I want to explore with people. You know, like we, we were talking in our, you know, green room before we were recording a little bit about how something that has happened during the time this podcast has existed is we've seen the birth of Blade Runner as a true franchise, like you were just saying, right? For, I mean, for forever, we had the Marvel random comic in the 80s. We had the first film. We had the computer game. Um, and that was like kind of it, mm -hmm. you know? And then as 2049 was coming out, we started seeing with – first, there were the shorts, which are sort of like expanding the universe a little bit. And then, of course, we had the things like the card game and we had you know action figures coming out and Funko Pops. And we had this kind of – like we started seeing more merchandise associated with it. And then we had Titan Comics come in and produce this venerable – you know, expanded universe unto itself of comics now, which is, I mean, there's hundreds of issues because yep. you have at least three contemporaneous comics running. You have the collected editions, you have all this stuff. Um, you know, I should say before that, of course, there were the boom comics also, but that's sort of separate. That's, that's the PKD side of things. Um, and then not only do we have the comics, but now we have the RPG coming out, which is huge news. And we have been in extended – actually, like, I, wa I want to go ahead and say it. Free League has been the most wonderful company to work with. Um, like, they have been so responsive about arranging interviews, about getting review copies of things, but just being so incredibly nice and, like, just so helpful. And um, – so we are going to have advanced copies of the RPG. We're going to be doing some playthroughs of it, some playtesting of it. And we're going to be able to come to you, you know, as soon as the review embargo lifts, whenever that is, we don't know yet, with uh, with coverage of it, you know, from day one. And the lead game designer is going to be coming on the show. We're looking at booking that for early November. But like, that's a AAA level. I mean, Free League's RPGs are enormously successful. They win all the industry awards. They're, they're backed on Kickstarter. They blow through the ceiling on Kickstarter all the time. So there's like a AAA level, fully illustrated Blade Runner RPG coming out, which is going to have all these accoutrements with it, like, you know, all this memory billia books and you know die you can use and special pieces and tokens and things and um the amazon series and the crunchyroll series you know there's a black lotus comic book that's coming out and i, I really feel like we're just and there's also more games in development in terms of video games which we you know are much very much looking forward to hearing more about we have the reissue coming out of the game from the late 90s i mean it's like crazy there's really tons of content all of a sudden for blade runner so I guess part of why we're bringing this up now is to also say we clearly want you all to be just as in on this 40th anniversary stuff as we are. And part of that is going to be like, how do you feel as a Blade Runner fan now that you have a franchise as opposed to just the original film and then its sequel? What's that experience like? Uh, what is sticking out to you as something with staying power? What feels like it's going to be kind of just a, a little bit of a blip? Um I know for me personally, it feels like Alcon has done a really nice job of shepherding this thing through these growing pains mm -hmm. overall. Although, of course, we have issues with some of the individual deliverables. Like, I mean, the comics and the RPG on their own, oh, like, yeah. those are two just AAA level, very successful 
products. The RPG isn't out yet, but it's blown through all these, you know, milestones on Kickstarter. And it's, you can actually still fund it, by the way. Um, if you go to their website, there's, you can still get in on getting some of the exclusive backer things. My point being, like, let us know how you feel about that. Like, Blade Runner is in such a different place. Of course, in addition to all of that, it's in a different place because thematically, the world is in a different place. Mm-hmm. And I feel like some of our recent episodes are some of the best ones we've ever had, especially mm-hmm. the artificial intelligence conversations that we mm-hmm. had. Like, those mm-hmm. were wild, mm-hmm. wild conversations. And um, and that's what I want us to really dig into now is like 40 years later, how is this movie resonating with us and holding a mirror up to the world that we live in? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I would absolutely agree. It's more relevant than it's ever been. Um, but to a point you were making before in terms of where we are as fans and fandom, and we started off with one film and now we're in this franchise that has all of these arms and tentacles into comics and games and RPGs and uh, a TV series and an anime and all of these things. But for some people, it's still just the one film for them. For some people, it's been diluted. For some people, that's too much. That's not whatever. Blade Runner was this wonderful, special thing. And now, because it's turned into this IP, it's been, in their opinion or in their experience or whatever, that's diluted it. It's not as special. I'm interested to hear from people like that, to be honest with you, just to find out why and to just celebrate the first film if that's the only one that you love. But uh, moving to your next point in terms of like where we are today and how prescient Blade Runner is, both films for sure. The world continues to be in a very shaky place. I, I want to almost want to use the term dangerous place. I, maybe it is. It's in a dangerous place. Having come through a pandemic, but even still, we've come through the pandemic, but we haven't. I mean, people are still getting sick day in and day out, thousands of people all over the world. It's not, it's something that we're better at, at handling, but it's still very present. Um, and we're now in a world where everywhere around the, the globe, we're experiencing incredible drought, um, fires and so much. Like I don't ever remember the world being like this in my lifetime before being so, being such a, a scary place at the same time I, I'm a, an irrational optimist so I will pivot towards beauty and joy and hope and optimism and only doing what I can do as a person because that's what we can do we can't fix everything we can't change the world by ourselves but we can change our world for ourselves you know but Blade Runner is still this compass for me of well what will the world be like and how do we deal with it? And how do we deal with it? We don't lose our humanity. We, we keep our empathy in check. We keep our, we, we make sure that we're, we're speaking in love and we're acting in love. And I think those are the bit, the best lessons from Blade Runner is to hold on to our humanity and to, to do what's right, no matter what it costs. Sometimes it costs a lot and doing what's right in these times is revolutionary in my opinion. And we have those films to hold up as, I mean, in some ways they're so, they are dystopian and sad and frightening. And in another sense, we have these heroes in these movies that do the right thing, um, despite what it costs them, reminding us that we we can do the same.
Oh, yeah. You know, to your earlier point, um, it's been really weird here on the East Coast because, as you know, leaf season is a really big deal, right? And people come from all over the world to come to, like, the Northeast to see what the leaves do in, in October. And a lot of our leaves are already dead because mm. of the drought we've been having. Wow. And uh, and it's been really sobering. And that's something that I have never seen in my life. Like, I'm you walking around. You didn't get a lot of storms or anything over the summer? No. No, it's been incredibly dry. Yeah, wow. I mean, we, we were supposed to get rain this week. We got barely any. Hmm. And uh, so it's 90, right? As I, as I, you know, say this, it's 90 degrees outside. Wow. And uh, and I'm looking at yellow leaves all over the yard because there's there's just no water for them. Um, and this is something that, like, of course, affects people, especially in marginalized areas and disempowered areas around the world, like places in, for example, the Sahel region, you know where they are experiencing hunger and drought on vast scales that far dwarf the very extremely minor inconvenience that I'm having about the leaves not looking as pretty in the fall, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that's a very different situation, but it, it is, it's creeping into the consciousness of people who aren't used to feeling vulnerable to climate, I think. And it's really making it feel more real than ever in a really honest sense for me, you know. Um, likewise, Things like the cost of goods being so high right now and seeing what, you know, inflation is doing to our, you know, global economy. It's just, it's sobering because you realize, like, we really, our systems are just, like, not functioning the way that they're supposed to be functioning. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that we're in danger of some imminent collapse, because I don't think that's the way that it will go. But we're, we're consistently watching the world that we live in become more vulnerable and less dependable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're watching the, the situation in Ukraine continue to be absolutely horrendous. And we're seeing, you know, there's very little cooperation in government anywhere on the world anymore. Like, it really feels like we're in a difficult time still. So we can, on one hand, focus on the optimism, like the fact that we're just opening with that people are traveling again, and that's absolutely incredible. The fact that like our kids are going back to school, and that I'm treasuring the last days of summer with with my children, and you know, celebrating our anniversary in in Italy, like things like that, are you know more important than ever. But the context around those things has changed, I think, and I it's not coincidental that I've been thinking a ton, especially about 2049, but also about Blade Runner this summer when I'm doing things like noticing the drought. Mm -hmm. Because I think in the absence of Blade Runner, I wouldn't really know what it would look like to live through a world where catastrophes have happened. Because most movies about that, most dystopian movies give us this really post-apocalyptic view of what it's like, right? They're movies like Cormac McCarthy's, you know, Road, or or they're movies like... uh, you know, Terminator, right? Where we get these very sort of black and white World War Z, you know, illustrations of what it's like to live in a dystopia. But Blade Runner gives us this wonderfully gray intermediary space where it's like, what does it look like when the world like has is definitely past the tipping point, mm-hmm. but we're still trying to find humanity in it. And the unfortunate thing, I think, is that you know, when I saw Blade Runner as a 12-year-old, that felt like this really far-off fantastical thing. And now as an adult, like it, it is, in a way, the world that we've inherited and the world that we're continuing to to propagate. So, like, Blade Runner, you know, has gone from being prescient, I think, to really being almost realistic mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and that's a pretty sobering thing to think about. Yeah. And the question asks, what do we do? How do we act? How how do we treat ourselves and each other? And uh, I think the best stories show us that. You know, whether it's Ripley in the Alien series or 
Deckard or Rachel or Kay in 2049. You know, Joy. Joy. Fuck Joy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, 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 I'm right there with you. I, 2049 is something that I think about all the time as we, you know, and like I was just in England and I've seen photos or not photos, but I was driving in areas that were completely brown. And they're like, we just haven't had any rain. And of course, living in California, we're dealing with a drought, which is somewhat normal for California. There's always some type of drought. But then you go over to these other countries and they're like, no, it's here too. Like it gets a little scary. Like what the fuck is happening? You know? And I, that's hard for me to even comprehend. And we're also living in a world where we're, we're, information about every corner of the world is available online. That's a lot for us as humans to process. We shouldn't be processing that much information. We can only process our daily lives. Certainly we can be, uh, we can recognize that there are other things happening on a global scale, but they're overwhelming. They're really, really, really overwhelming. And uh, I, I don't, I don't know what the future holds for the world. I mean, right now, this world is essentially drying up in some ways. And of course, there's large swathes of America that aren't, that just get, uh, you know, floods and rains, you know, on a daily basis that, of course, we're not seeing out here. You're not seeing in Connecticut, but the Midwest, they're being flooded and Texas and other places like that. Las Vegas. You see those, those scenes that looks straight out of Blade Runner. Those scenes of Las Vegas being flooded catastrophically. A week no, ago, like, I didn't see that. I didn't even hear about crazy. that. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wish it, worse that rain would. Right down in the main strip. Really? I wish that rain would yeah. move this way. I know. Um, like, can somebody blow on it a little bit? I know. <laughs> uh, but we're going into our winter here or fall pretty soon and this is the time where we get rain so hopefully this year like a few years ago we had so much rain they declared the drought over at any rate not to talk about the drought in california or uh, or other places but just the idea that the world seems smaller because we're dealing with the same things all over and uh blade runner is a reminder of that for me that we are in this together i hate using that phrase because it was overused during the pandemic we're in this together sure sure pal but it's really true. I mean, drought affects everyone. Uh, this world, it doesn't matter how much money you have, we're all living under the same sky. And we, we, and it's important that we treat each other that way, that we treat each other like we're all companions on the same road. Um, and Blade Runner, again, is a reminder to me that we are indeed all companions on the same road. And uh, I, I, maybe it's movies like that that'll help us get us through this, if that's even possible to get us through. I don't know what, but I'm happy to have the conversations that we have and to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Blade Runner and to continue to offer great content to our listeners. Yeah, agreed. And just before we close this mini-sode out, um, one, one other sort of ask that I have and we have is to that idea of content, um, you know, what are some other episodes that you would like to see? Uh, especially in the coming year and, and after the celebration, you know, like we're planning on keeping this podcast going. This is not, you know, we're not like running out of things to say, but we are at a point where we've really gotten through most of the characters and most of the, the sort of obvious things to talk about. Um, and, you know, we have coverage, of course, of the game. We're going to have continued coverage of the comic books. But in terms of like ideas and deep dives into things, you know, um, write in and like let us know things that you like us to talk about because we love to research new avenues and new things and, and also new guests to have on. 
Um, so that can be both for the 40th anniversary coverage, but also just in general. You know, in a lot of ways, we're in a really great place right now. Like our social media is performing really great. We have this wonderful five-person team. Uh, we got to get Dr. Bunce on again. It's been a little while, but I, you know, like we have amazing people and uh, we have this anniversary to celebrate, but help us keep this going and keep it interesting and fresh and give us some more perspectives. If you would like to come on, you know, write into us and let us know. Something I, I want to do a shout out for Patreon, one of our longtime patrons, Dominic Nardi, a uh, wonderful guy, we've interacted quite a lot, has a new book called Discovering Dune out on McFarland Publishing, and you can get that online. And uh, And it's a series of essays on Frank Herbert's epic saga that he co-edited with Trevor Brierley. And um, I'm currently reading it and it's wonderful. And like, that's an example of, he actually is, because he's a patron, was listening to our Dune coverage and was like, you know what, I kind of want to... I want to like take my Dune fandom a little more seriously. It helps that he's, you know, a, a PhD in political science, which, you know, it's an, is well positioned to write a book about it. But check that out. And if you have projects like that also related to any of the properties that we talk about, please like write in and give us a chance to help you get the word out on it. But basically, all this is to say that we want more um, interaction with you. And we want this anniversary to really feel like it belongs to all of us because it does. So mm-hmm. help us do that. Indeed. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for your support. For those who support us on Patreon, if you want to support us on Patreon, go to bladerunnerpodcast.com forward slash support. Sign up for $4 a month. All your money that you give us goes right back into the show. So thank you guys for um, listening. Thanks, everyone. We'll be back soon. If you would like to find out more about Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast, please go to www.bladerunnerpodcast.com. If you would like to support the show via Patreon, please go to www.bladerunnerpodcast.com forward slash support. Thank you.